Hello and welcome to the Icelandic Roundup. My name is Valur Grettisson and I'm the editor-in-chief at Reykjavik Reipvain. With me, of course, is... Andy Sophia Fontaine, news editor at Reykjavik <laughs> <laughs> And before we start, of course, I just want to tell you a little bit about Lava Center. They are our sponsors. They have a wonderful tech museum. If you want to know anything about geology, uh, earthquakes, uh, volcanoes, uh, in a very inventive and... Uh, uh, and a nice just a uh, tack museum it's it's perfect it's in Kolsvöllur in the south of Iceland you can find it of course in the description below and uh, yeah let's go on this has been quite the weekend uh, and quite mm. the week actually when it comes to news definitely so uh, first of all the biggest news this week uh, definitely is uh, that the Icelandic government uh, sent uh, uh, around 15 asylum seekers, uh, all to Greece. Yes. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about this, Andy? Sure. Um, it was, well, first of all, the reason why these folks were sent to Greece, um, because a lot of people are confused by this, like, they'll see the news and be like, wait a second, these people are from Iraq, Palestine, Syria. Right. Right. Why are they always sending them to Greece? Mm -hmm. Um, this is because of the Dublin regulation. Mm -hmm. um, for many asylum seekers from that region of the world, uh, their first point of entry in Europe is Greece. Yes. And upon arrival, <clears throat> Greek authorities compel these people to either apply for asylum in Greece or go back. Right. Well, most people don't want to hang around in Greece. They want to go elsewhere in Europe, you know. Mm -hmm. And so they get here. And they'll apply for asylum in Iceland and the authorities will be like, well, you were granted asylum in Greece mm -hmm. and then bounce them back there through the force of the Dublin regulation. Now, many international bodies have said that, like, Greece is not a good place for yes. refugees, the, even if they've been granted international protection. This has been uh, many countries, and ma like many associations have actually been criticizing this. Among them, has the Red Cross has yeah. actually uh, criticized this heavily, that uh, nations are sending uh, people which are, are uh, they could uh, easily get uh, asy asylum in many of these Western countries. Yes. But they are not allowed to because of the Dublin regulation, which in fact actually means that uh, because you got you have to go through the process in Greece and finish it there instead of being evaluated like your case will not be evaluated specifically in the country that you are in well like for example in Iceland they, they won't open it literally they they just send it back for no. for the process although the law does give the Icelandic government the power to do so exactly they it's can they can exactly but they uh, choose not to and the thing is, of course, uh, many countries have been, uh, and among them, Iceland has been uh, accused of misusing this Dublin regulation mm. with, with this. With this, and here's the thing: uh, uh, Icelanders have had around two thousand uh, refugees and asylum seekers, uh, which is a record number uh, in a few months. Mm. Mostly of this, of course, are the Ukrainians. Yes. Many of them are also from Venezuela. These are all part of uh, agreements that Icelanders have done. Mm -hmm. These people, though, they came here uh, in or before when a pandemic happened. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, it was impossible to actually export them. And this number in the beginning was more around 250 to 300 people, actually. Right. Uh, but uh, they went drastically down, mostly because this was uh, uh, there were a few court cases and so on. Uh, and uh, it ended up now, at least in this batch, I guess, uh, the Icelandic government rented a, a uh, airplane uh, mm -hmm. and to send the sent around thirty people out of the country, mm -hmm. but they only found uh, fifteen. About half of them, yeah. yeah, about half of them. Around thirteen were they didn't find. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
what's interesting also is that the Icelandic uh, people they were outraged by this, yeah. uh, mostly because uh, there was they were like live they were activists live feeding mm-hmm. uh, from the this operation if you might call uh, yeah. is the, the the police in Iceland the, the national police they oversee this. And there were things that were easily easy to criticize, and Icelandic nation was many in, in Iceland at least mm-hmm. on, online. I mean, that's the only way to see this actually. Yes. Uh, they were very shocked by, for example, there was a disabled man there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, his name is Hussein, and uh, yeah, um, he did not own this wheelchair <clears throat> that he was his. <clears throat> A man who needs to use a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and um, this was loaned to him during his stay here. And during his deportation, he was physically lifted out of this chair and put into a car, mm-hmm. and then sent to Greece. And this, in particular, really ignited in people a sense of unfairness. Mm-hmm. In particular, mm-hmm. um, not to mention the family mm-hmm. who were also deported to Greece, despite the fact that last May. Our own Minister of Justice, Jung Gunnarsson, promised they're not going to deport any families to Greece. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to happen mm-hmm. off the table. And then it happened anyway. So um, as you pointed out here, um, Minister of Social Affairs, uh, Gunnar Ingi Gudbrandsson, of the left Green Party, um, Jung Gunnarsson, for those who are not familiar, is from the Independence Party, who have been in charge of the Ministry of Justice right. since the dawn of time. Yes, and they are in coalition. It's an odd coalition, actually, in yeah. political history in Iceland. There's the Left Greens. The Indep- left Greens is obviously the left. Independence Party is uh, like middle right, yes. more to the right, though. Uh, and then we have the Progressive Party, which is smack down in the middle right Pretty now. Much, yeah. But they have they have been fluctuating politically throughout the years. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Guðmundur Ingi Guðbrandsson, he of course, he uh, he criticized this heavily uh, on Sunday uh, in radio in Iceland and said that this was this was unacceptable, uh, mm. but he didn't want to go like, well, well the thing is like, uh, it seems that there is no doubt that this, these decisions that sending these people to uh, Greece were legal uh, according to these politicians. According uh, to them, but a lot of them had cases that were still waiting judgment. Right, but it doesn't actually like, for example, uh, although you are, have a, like a court case pending, yeah. it doesn't uh, like it doesn't avoid that you will be sent out of the country before. This no, is a specific clause actually in laws exactly. in Iceland. It's been a, a problem for a very long time because like people in the Red Cross and other lawyers have pointed out like. Yeah, technically you can deport somebody yeah. who's awaiting who's waiting judgment summary judgment in court. Yeah. But how are they supposed to show up for court? Right. Like are they gonna like call or something like that from and, Greece? And talking about calls and phones, that's yes. another thing. Uh, and this actually ignited another kind of a shock in Iceland mm-hmm. is when uh, there was a spokesperson for the national police uh, in at the roof for national broadcast in TV. Oh my uh, god, this interview. Th- there was a, a interesting interview there where <laughs> Boye uh, Augustson, he is like our most seasoned, like, think, uh, what's this? He's like, like the Walter Cronkite of Iceland. Right, much. literally. Very uh, well-respected anchorman. Uh, and he, he asked the, the police, uh, the spokesperson, like, you took the, because, yeah, just to perhaps explain a little bit why yes. Roof perhaps has a odd stake in this in itself even. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, they were trying to report about this uh, deportation uh, but uh, the, the police, as well as Isavia, is a state-owned company that serviced the, the airports. 
they were trying to they were they turned turned on floodlights yeah. to actually avoid uh, the cameraman to get footage from this. Uh, this was, of course, uh, criticized heavily. Isavia, they, they apologized for this, and they said that the police asked them to do something about this. And, and now this, the police are saying, we're trying to figure out who gave the order. Right. <laughs> and, and at the same time also, uh, it seems that uh, the police also take cell phones from these people, from yeah. the people that are deporting. Uh, and uh, Boye actually asked uh, the, the news uh, newscaster, new, news reporter. Mm-hmm. He asked, "Why? Why do you do that? I mean, aren't they allowed to uh, act, like talk to the lawyers or so, mm-hmm. such?" And they said, "Yes, they, of course, they're allowed to, allowed to to talk to the lawyers. Like, but how will they do that if they don't have phones, <laughs> like, right. which you took from them?" And they said, "Yeah, we have to secure them somehow." And then he just asked the most obvious question: "Are do you consider cell phones as dangerous?" Mm-hmm. And he didn't really have an answer to this. No. Uh, and it was it was quite something to see actually. And and it it seems that the procedure is happening here is, I have to say, odd. They also they, they turn off the police officers. They turn off or the cameras on their suits. Yeah, the body cams. Uh, the body cams, and they do this. Uh, they say is to uh, protect their uh, respect somehow. Uh, like, yes. not completely sure how how the correct word would be in English. Well, you see the common theme here, right? Yes. Like I mean, turning off the body cams, turning on the floodlights, taking away the phones. It doesn't look good, does it? No. They, what, the, the most important thing in a democracy, I think, is transparency. And yes. that includes how law enforcement does its job. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a law enforcement officer of integrity, you should not have any problem mm-hmm. with people observing you on the job mm-hmm. and doing your job. When you engage in practices that block people's access to information about how you're doing your job, yes. it's going to make people naturally suspicious. Yes, obviously. Uh, and this have, of course, sparked uh, uh, protests uh, out in, on the streets. Yeah. Uh, there, were, uh, there, were, there were a lot of people protesting uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. as well as on Friday, actually. Yes. Uh, there, and th- this seems like it's still happening, like this is still growing somehow. But uh, the government has been very clear in their position that this was legal in their opinion, uh, that there were like perhaps that the police need to like uh, do this differently mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, but in the end, of course, Icelanders, uh, although in my opinion, uh, are perhaps not very open when it comes to asylum seekers, mm. but uh, they, they like... Uh, they are very shocked when they see human rights broken in in any cases. Yeah. And it seems that at least there is a questionable way how they handled this case when it came to the disabled man, as well as taking their cell phones and so on. Absolutely so. So, so it's a good thing we have these activists who are willing to like put themselves there and record this and broadcast what's happening. That's very interesting. Exactly. And journalists as well. Yeah. Uh, and then to the next story... Uh, mm-hmm which is the Independence Party had this like national conference. They do this every two years. Yes. And why are we telling you about this? It's basically because the Independence Party is the biggest political party mm-hmm. in Iceland and arguably the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were actually uh, fighting for the chairman. We, the, the, the chairman was Bjarni Benediction, uh, mm-hmm. and he's been there for 13 years, since 2009. Yeah. Uh, the political landscape since 2009 is very changed, I think it's safe to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Guðlaugu Thór Thórðarsson, mm-hmm. he is now environmental minister, also in the same party, of course. Um, he went against Bjarni Ben, and he wanted to be a chairman. Yes. Now, 
I have to say, this was an interesting fight in some sure ways. Was. Uh, it was a power play between figures, uh, and uh, like there is no difference basically between Bjarni Ben and Guðlaugur Thor. These characters are. Guðlaugur, for example, is, is as liberal as it seems, uh, like uh, at, least, at least outside uh, as Bjarni Ben, but still Bjarni Ben actually won this. So this is like, uh, and mostly because, my opinion, I think it's obvious because uh, uh, that there were concerns about the coalition between the left Greens and the Progressive Party. Yeah. Well, but... What do you think? Why, why did why did Bjarni Ben? He he has also been criticized again and again throughout the throughout this decade mm-hmm. uh, for corruption, for uh, unhealthy tight like uh, ties with uh, with the business life in Iceland and so on. Yes. Uh, why do you think that the, they wanted to keep on with Bjarni? Right, it's like a friend of mine pointed out yesterday. Like you can always count on the conservatives to like not be crazy about changes. Yeah. In general, like. For all of, of uh, Bjarni's faults, um, the people in the Independence Party love him. Like, mm-hmm. They think that he's, you know, nothing sticks to him. That is true. I uh, mean, he can do pretty much anything. He went to that giant party at Ausmundersalud. And- yeah, he was in COVID. Uh, we, we reported this in our newscast, of course. Yes. Uh, there was a huge party in COVID where he was a part of. Yeah. Uh, and uh, th- th- it was, uh, I don't... Like they didn't go anywhere. This party, yeah, like this, no. this criminal case. But the police came there. They actually stopped the party, and they were about to find people for having it or being there because it was uh, they were breaking the laws. Yeah. When it came to the pandemic. And the, and like in 2017, the government collapsed, which was largely like, you know, yeah, connected in the lap of the Independence Party, and yet they. It was very personally connected to to actually Bjarni Ben also yeah. because uh, this what, 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 like the scandal is so odd. I always <laughs> like I always struggle to explain this. So here's the yeah. thing: we have we we used to have, and we still probably still have these mm. laws about uppressed uh, Iru. Yes, it's like uh, restorative. Uh, like, how, how would you say it in English? Restore your... Uh, restored honor is what we were using. Yeah, you restore your honor after you being... If you commit a crime, mm-hmm. and let's say you murder a man and you get 16 years in prison and you do that, you can actually apply to the president of Iceland and they, you know, the, the justice ministers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can apply to him uh, to restore your honor. Mm-hmm. As a, this means that uh, they will take out everything from your... Um, from your... Uh, in a, Crime report? No, no, you still have the, the you still have a criminal record. Criminal it's, record. It yeah. just no longer prevents you from getting a job that would normally be prevented. Right. By, like if you you like if you want to let's say that you were convicted of I don't know sex offenses against a child. Yeah. And you wanted to practice law. Yeah. And normally, having that on your record, you wouldn't be able to practice law. Exactly. But if you get this procedure done where you get your honor restored. You can practice law again, even though you still have this on your criminal record. And the way to do this, you need to have uh, people that will vouch for you. This refers to a real case, by the way. Yeah, th- this is the case, actually. There was a man, he was uh, convicted for sexually abusing children. Yeah. Uh, and one of these men that vouched for him was the father of uh, Bjarni Benediction. Indeed. Uh, and... Uh, 
and this became a huge scandal, uh, so much actually that uh, that uh, the bright future or Björn Framti, mm. they actually decided to end the, the, their coalition with the independence party. Yes. Uh, they disappeared from the, the parliament literally after this because they weren't voted back in. Yeah. Icelanders were very, like, I mean, it was a bad time for everyone, I guess. Yeah. But uh, but it was still like Except the independence party. Yeah, but in, the independence party actually came strong, stronger out of all of this somehow, which like, is amazing to me. I mean, right? yeah, the, bri- you, the bright future had the integrity to say we don't want to work with these people; they're too corrupt for us. They lose every seat in parliament, but the independence party gets voted back in, and they're in the government again. I mean, uh, and that's so what got Ben at the helm. That's why they stuck with him. I think because nothing sticks to him, and the most important thing in a political leader is no matter what you do, no matter what happens, that you're invincible, pretty mm-hmm. much. And, to, and, and the, the newest, I wouldn't say, uh, well, sure, it's a scandal uh, up to a point where it, we're connected to the selling of the, the National Bank of Eastlands Bank. Yes. Uh, I, the, the government is trying to privatize the bank again. We have owned the banks, actually, all of them, uh, more or less, since 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are trying to privatize this one bank, and uh, Bjarni actually didn't know that his father, again, he's a huge player, by the way, in, in the Icelandic business life, his father, mm-hmm. uh, he actually bought uh, Sears in this bank. And there was a controversial uh, ideas about like who should be allowed to buy in the bank because everybody knew how this would go. The, 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 the Sears would, would rise uh, significantly mm-hmm. because of this. Uh, but uh, Bjarni, again, said he had no idea that his father bought uh, Sears in this. And Icelanders tend to somehow uh, not blame you for your father's sins. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting and it's complicated. But uh, yeah. but uh, one other interesting thing that came out of this uh, this meeting, uh, because this is also like we kind of know how the politics will be for the next two years at least, or if not more, often from like what happens on these meetings. I mean, everybody knows this wherever you are in the world, of course. Mm-hmm. But the uh, most interesting thing here is that the independent party uh, emphasized heavily on lowering taxes at the conference, uh, which is uh, something that Liz Truss uh, recently tried in the UK <laughs> with a bad, uh, didn't go well for her, did no. it? Uh, and also, it could be like, a, I wouldn't say a, a flaming Molotov cocktail into the coalition, but the left greens are, uh, they are emphasized m- much on like protecting the welfare system and so on. But if you're going to lower tax, I mean, math isn't complicated, actually, in the no. end of the day, you have to cut down somewhere, right? Uh, and then you have to privatize things, which is not something that the left greens are very open to. No. Uh, you have to cut down in the in the healthcare because, uh, I mean, that's that's more or less where the money goes mm. when it comes to taxes uh, and so on. So this could be uh, like this could be some kind of like some evidence that uh, this this is going to be a really hard political winter for this coalition. I would say so. I would say so. And then Iceland Dervish. Yes. You didn't go though, did you? Nope. I can tell I you. I didn't go. <laughs> it was wonderful. I'm too old for Iceland Airways. Yeah, I am too. But uh, I, 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 
I, I, did, I didn't finish though. I, I went for the first two days mm-hmm. uh, and what a festival. It was uh, it was really well run. There were around 8,000 people at the festival. Yeah, didn't uh, they break a record for ticket sales this year? Like uh, a 10-year record or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I never trust these news somehow. Like how they, how, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, it was sold out. Yeah, yes. I mean, I think that was the record that they mm-hmm. sold out. So, so let's give them that. Yes. Uh, but there were like uh, about uh, yeah half of the pe- people that came here uh, were from abroad. Uh, mm-hmm. These were travelers loving music and, and just uh, and just shows how popular still the festival is. Actually, it's like yeah. a showcase festival. All the best Icelandic bands and the up and many upcoming bands when it comes to any other scenes like uh, in the world. And it was interesting. Also, there was a lot of like acts from the Faroe Islands. I loved that. It really. Was, it was wonderful, uh, like a cowboy act, which was hilarious. Cowboy Kex, they were called. Uh, Interesting. And uh, rock and roll. And then, then we got hip-hop from the Faroe Islands also. Hmm. Marius DC, which is, I mean, such a... It was such an interesting event that I think he will have a cult status as something odd and funny in the, in the future. Like... I don't know how to explain that any better. <laughs> and then, of course, we had the the uh, uh, Icelandic bands like the, the Countess Malays and Sole. And, oh, Countess uh, Malays is incredible. And my actually favorite uh, show of the of the festival of the, those that, that I saw was the, the Daughters of Reykjavik. I know they're like they have been often controversial in Iceland, but these mm-hmm. girls are ab- absolutely incredible on the stage, and I was very I was I was blown away by this. Okay. Uh, and also, of course, there were young young artists like Gugusar, mm-hmm. 18-year-old girl. We wrote about her first when she was 15. Yeah. She's incredible. She's like, a, like think Billie Eilish with even more of a punkish attitude or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, is incredible. <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely incredible. Um, and of course, again, Janus Rasmussen, the Faroe Island, uh, Islander, he also was wonderful there. Uh, this was, uh, we also have, uh, like, we had... Uh, a few, uh, not a few, we had uh, intensive uh, coverage of this. There were wonderful uh, podcasts that Tim Poco actually uh, was always seeing for us. Mm-hmm. You can find them all on our website, grapevine.is, or just in our podcast, like you can find them uh, on Spotify and, and so on. Uh, and this, the, he, he, was, uh, he was incredible. And uh, I mean, we have to give this man a a beer or something for his mm-hmm. energy in this. Yeah, and hosting all of our podcasts. Yeah, it was wonderful. And yeah. then, of course, uh, we also had super reviews. We were writing, a lot of our uh, writers were running between venues and writing uh, about all of this. And uh, and it, it can be fun to read this. And, uh, and I definitely encourage you to do so. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for uh, today's Icelandic Roundup. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, just remember, of course, if you have the time and so on, to like and subscribe and mm-hmm. um, perhaps write a positive review or just write a review. I mean, I'm not going to meddle <laughs> in that. Uh, tell and your friends. Tell your friends, of course. Yes. And uh, yeah, we will be here, of course, uh, a week from now. And uh, yeah, you want to add something to it? Andy? No, always a pleasure. Always, always a, pleasure. a pleasure to be here. <laughs> okay, thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.